Yeah, we're here to talk about business, but uh, haven't had a lot of pro-business people on, but now I have Jennifer Udden, my old agent, my current friend, and perhaps will be something else in the future. That would be weird, though. <laughs> so, it is Ditch Digger's <laughs> season... Like we're getting married. <laughs> Ditch Digger's season 8, episode 10. And ain't no wannabes here With some not so nice advice For your writing career To be clear No punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off Believe me she'll come after me And her co-host Matt Evan Wallace On the right Yes she may be half as hype But she can take him in a fight So settle in folks Buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in a way To make your writer shut up It's hard work But the perk is that It's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there When you're done writing Ditch diggers Coming to you live from somewhere clever in the Ditch Diggers manner that I can't think of right now because my brain turned off, it is the Ditch Diggers with Mer Lafferty and guest host Jennifer Udden. If you've heard me talk about Jen in the past, it was probably because she was my agent or because I missed her being my agent or because I was saying that I was contacting her for questions or to send her lewd pictures of wine bottles from Whole Foods. <laughs> So, uh, I'm just delighted to have you here, Jen. We haven't really talked since Worldcon about seven months ago. So, uh, yeah. it's delightful to have you here. I can't here. believe it's July. It's yeah. good to be here. Um, it's wild how fast the, the year has gone. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, no it felt kidding. like 2020 and 2021 crawled by, and now 2022 is like all over practically. Yeah. Yeah. Try not to think about that. But anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look very tense very tense on the video um yeah so oh, no. i, I i've been uh because i did sleep weird last night you did or didn't sleep well i did i i, sl I slept weird i oh, woke weird. up and i was sort of twisted oh you know in my in my aged in my aged you know 30s i'm my body is just sort of slowly melting <laughs> just yeah. like ah uh, that didn't hurt before now it does yeah, Muscle. yeah. <laughs> your video has frozen, but your audio still. Oh wait, no, you're back. Okay, great. Um, oh, good. Okay, yeah. Yeah, my my friend Devo Spice, who someone sometimes drops in, he has a song about uh, getting old sucks, about how you can throw your back out when you're tying your shoe, kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. it's a it's a good song. It's, it's the creaking when I get up that I don't love. You know, mm -hmm. it's like I don't think that my body should make noise first thing in the morning. <laughs> like. Just sounds like it sounds like a bag of wrenches, you know, just kind of jangling. <laughs> yes, your bag of wrenches in a trench coat. Well, other people are like a bunch <laughs> of otters in a trench coat. Um, but anyway, what I've been up to is I started a new short story today. I've done some Patreon fiction, so I'm just toying around with a couple of 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 ideas I have this summer about some uh, other projects besides the book. So that's that's getting to be fun. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk about here is the fact that uh, Jen is now a writer and now has new appreciation for all of her old clients. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like calling myself a writer feels, you know, deeply premature because I, while it is true that I have written a book, it is it remains to be seen whether it is good or saleable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, 
But uh, it's been, yeah, I, I, I've, I have new respect for, for how, how do write words. Yes, how do write words. How to make how to make words sound good. How to make plot hang together. How to remember um, all the inconsistencies. I had. Oh my god! I think I changed the hair color like six times. Like fuck! I keep forgetting that one of the characters wears glasses. God yeah. Yeah, I've I've had um I had a problem with I said X number of murders happen in my character's past. Mm-hmm. And I would mention like, oh well this one happened at this basketball game with this ex boyfriend and this one happened at this um uh, uh in this church and somehow I just kinda threw them in there. And now my publisher's saying they need to be properly in chronological order and the right number. <laughs> I mean, You're like, Chron- chronology is for chumps. <laughs> I know. What? What's the point? No one's gonna care. And I, and they I cared. I think I texted you a couple months ago when I was finishing up the draft, where I was just like, "How? How have you written more than one mystery? Because I wrote, I have written one, and it makes me want to claw my own my own eyes out. I'm like, I know who did it. I just don't know how." Yeah, I'm, I'm that idiot, like, reading a mystery novel where I'm, like, completely gobsmacked by the end every single time. Like, that person did it? Like, so having a mystery element in this book was, like, truly clowning myself. <laughs> it's hard. I'm, that's why I've been, like, just, I just watch a lot of murder shows and I read a lot of, of old murder mysteries. I don't do the psychological thriller thing yet. Um, but it's more of, but, but I really like, um, Midsummer Murders because they have Ugh. the weirdest shit and they play it one hundred percent straight. Like, I mean, I was watching the episode the other day where there's like the chess murders and there's a dude like wandering the woods with like a giant like chess piece head on, and everyone's just like, "Yes, a totally normal way to murder someone." Yeah, like, yeah. a totally chill and average thing to happen in this yeah. extremely cursed county. <laughs> We, I just we just watched the one where um the guy gets mashed between two very large pallets of uh relish, of oh, old, yeah. old chutney or relish or something. Plumber's relish. The that's that's a good yeah. one. It's an early one. Yeah. I, I I mean I feel like the ones to sh- to sh- to show people as like quintessential midsummer episodes are the theater one in episode in season one, mm-hmm. the that's bell the- ringer episode, yeah. and then the photography club. I feel like those are good, like, like if you can roll with those episodes, you're going to love the rest of the show. <laughs> no, no, my favorite is the um, upper-middle-class uh, prostitution ring one. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. yeah. That's also, like, somehow about a grocery store. Yeah, it's about a grocery store, really. It's about <laughs> a grocery store and, and zoning. It's about the zoning yeah. for a grocery store, but... And, and industrial waste, so... And industrial waste and uh, underage drinking. Yeah, <laughs> all of that. That's, that's what it's all about, <laughs> and an upper middle class prostitution ring. Yep. Good times. So, yep, yep. <laughs> anyway, a little bit of a side note there. Did, did I tell you that the uh, official name of my series is going to be Midsolar Murders? Uh, yeah, I, okay. I, it's on the cover of okay. um, Europe Station. Yeah, right, right. So I, I, yeah, I just kind of leaned into that, but I um, love that. I love that. Yeah, mysteries mysteries are tough. I had a problem halfway through when I realized that I had the wrong person as the murderer. Mm. Um, yeah. 
So that was that was it, it was a good feeling of oh now it's all clear except I have to go back and fix everything and that's irritating. Yeah. But I I went through um I you know I've been I've been rereading it and and revising and I sort of fixed the first half of the book and now the second half makes very little sense so I have to go and like you know I'm sort of I'm sort of in despair like looking at the last you know half to a third going like oh motherfucker yeah <laughs> what did i do yeah yeah definitely yeah the, the the oh god what have i done is a is, is a feeling we don't talk about enough in fiction i mean as writers the oh god what have i done kind mm-hmm. of thing um and and i think what we don't talk about enough is the the unraveling you have to do. It's not just changing one thing. You, there's, there's the ripples. Like I said, with the numbers of murders, it's like if I say, this this murder was the fourth one she ever solved, then everything else has to fall in, in yeah. place around it. And so, like, and, I'll get a, and even, you said this one was the eighth, but that doesn't work with these four and the fourth one she had when she was 12. And I'm like, oh, God, what have I done? <laughs> Yeah, and and you know, for me when I was writing, I there was some sort of like very tropey self-indulgent stuff that I wanted to wanted to include and then I realized as I was rereading it I was like there are too many vibes and not enough hijinks in this mm-hmm. book. Like there's not enough stuff happening. There's just a lot of sort of gazing and I was like this is not no one's going no one's going to read this. <laughs> so yeah, but like take when you change one thing, you have to sort of like almost go back to the beginning and, and find all the bits where that was mentioned before. And it's, it's, it's a lot to keep track of. I have, um, oh, do I have it with me? I have, um, a notebook that I've been, it's like my revision notebook that I've been taking, you know, taking notes in as I, as I reread it and like, okay, I've got to go back and change this. I've got, and I have to sort of keep checking it, you know, every single time so that I'm like changing the right thing. Yeah. That's smart. Brought it into this because so that y'all could see it. That's smart because my notes are usually like this and you know they'll they'll find their oh, way inside they'll find their way inside another notebook but it won't always um, be the same notebook and yeah that's why I tried to keep it all in one but I also um my sister printed out the manuscript at her work and um and spiral bound it so I have this sort of lovely like murder board situation with all these like written notes and wow please tell me like off to the side you've got like the cork board with the strings and all the stuff i do not but it's like it's like two it's like two seconds away from that i feel like for the for the second book because i've sort of imagined this as a duology um for the second book i think there's definitely going to be a murder board excellent because i I also like introduced this element of time travel at the very end so it's just like oh god what are you doing (laughs) all right um, I realized that uh, we've had some questions, and I've just been chatting away with my friends, so I gotta <laughs> probably do my job here. Um, let's see. We started with uh... sorry. Uh, do you? We have. Um, there's a question about editing your book before you query. Right from Mirror. Yes. Uh, do you expect? Do you? Uh, or do you recommend authors have their book edited before sending it off to the query trenches? And I'm assuming you mean like a freelance editor that you pay. Um, 
I don't, there's not really an expectation. It's funny. I, before I, so I did work as a freelance editor for a year, like basically a year in between, um, leaving agenting. And then I worked briefly for a comic book company, um, uh, last year and this year. And I did that for a year. And, you know, before when, as an agent, I didn't really see sort of the point of freelance editing, but having now done it, I do think that for some writers, it can be a very useful process, um, especially if people don't have a strong critique partner or um, beta reader, because that kind of feedback is very helpful to kind of get your book from like, this is readable, but like, this is queryable. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that it can be useful. I don't think it's necessary. And I think that if it's something that's like outside of someone's budget, like don't, don't break the bank to hire an editor um, just because you think you need it. Um, but it can be, it can be useful if you find the right person, but it's also important to find the right person. Like, you know, there were some books that I edited where I'm just like, actually, I don't think that I was the right person to edit this book because I don't have the right sensibility or, they were looking for a kind of feedback that was not the kind of feedback that I sort of specialize in providing. So, but you can find that out by like, you know, asking to see a sample edit that they've done. I had one that I had anonymized where I had taken out all the character names and the place names and the sort of identifiable details. And that's what I sent with like, you know, my quote to people. Um, so people could see like, okay, this is the kind of feedback she provides. These are the kind of questions that she asks, um, you know, before they, before they hired me. So Yes, and it depends, is the answer. (laughs) Uh, And Premi wants to know, is there a non-awkward way to be like, so as a former agent, did you just submit your finished book to all the editors you used to know? No. Or are you going to be doing an agent hunt? Oh, I'm going to be doing an agent hunt. I mean, if I sent a manuscript unsolicited to all the editors I used to work with, that would be like a fast track to just like getting blacklisted. Because you should know better. I, yeah, you should know better. So I do, I do plan to query. I do have a list of people I have in mind. Um, and that's another thing to, to navigate is like, I want to query people I know, but I don't necessarily want to query people that are like in my group chat. Cause like if I, <laughs> cause I want there to be yeah. sort of a level professional, you know, but also all of this is theorizing wildly ahead of the facts, uh, because I have not finished the book yet. <laughs> well, you finished the book. I told, you're, you're doing, well, I told my sis. Well, yeah. I, I told my sister, it's book-shaped. It is not a book. Yes. Right I now. That. <laughs> uh, Catwood wants to know, uh, since you spent so many years agenting, when you started when you started writing, did you constantly think about whether you were, what you were writing would sell, or did you, were you able to turn that part of your brain off? Um, y- yes and no. It... it- it was really important for me when I was writing, when I was finishing the draft. Um, and actually, there's, it's a funny story about how I finished the first draft, which I can tell in a second. I had to sort of tell myself, like, this isn't going anywhere. I had to say, like, you're doing this for fun. Like, this is just, you're getting words on the paper. These words have no, like, these words have no value other than, than that they exist. Don't think about whether this is marketable or not. Um, because I think that if I... I'm actually, I think one of the reasons that revision has been so hard is that now I am thinking about, okay, what is, you know, is this tension, you know, hot, is the tension building enough? Is, is someone going to be like drawn into this? Is this going to catch an agent's eye? Now I am thinking about those things and it's and sort of got me in my head a little bit about, you know, the, the words that I'm now making, but it was important for the first draft that I had to let just like zoom through and just like get it done. Cause I felt like if I didn't, I was never going to, if that makes sense. Oh, makes, yeah. 
all the sense. Definitely. Because I really like, you know, one of the things I, f- I feel this is sort of a, like an old fashioned idea at this point. But one of the reasons I got back into writing is because I, I did write like fiction, like for myself in college. And then when I started agenting, I stopped because I felt very strongly for myself that, you know, if you're writing in an, in a genre, in a genre that you plan, like that your clients are publishing into, like I have, I do have an advantage because I do know all the players. I do know, I, I do know what people are looking for, you know, even though I haven't been in the business in a year and a half, like I still have that knowledge. And so I, I just felt crazy for even thinking about writing because it had been sort of like verboten. It was just like, no, don't do it. Um, and like, obviously that's old fashioned. Like a lot of people, a, a lot of agents are writers and like, it's less of a, it's less of a taboo now, but I really kind of had to give myself permission. Like, okay, you know, you haven't done this in, in 10 years, you know, it's going to suck. <laughs> like, just go for it. And you know, why not? <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I've been trying to close stuff to make sure that there's no, been no, drag on the stream and then i messed up your video and muted myself and everything well i'm also like i'm also like tethered to my phone so god knows how i'm actually connected right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's but but it's uh yeah getting the 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 mindset to be a writer has got to be rough i mean you there's a lot there is i feel like most people have a problem giving themselves permission to write. And now you're, mm-hmm. uh, you even have a different kind of roadblock there. That's interesting. Well, and it's sort of, you know, I, I have all the voices in my head that are, you know, cause I, I saw people on Twitter, you know, I saw people on Twitter being, you know, you know, dicks about people writing like, Oh, so-and-so has connections. Like, of course they got a book published. Like, and I had to sort of say like, you know, there's always going to be someone who doesn't like, you know, what you're doing. So, you know, do you want to pay attention to those voices or do you want to pay attention to voices that like build you up? Right. And I think that the, the nice thing too, is that like when I started sort of like dipping my toe into telling like you and like my, my other former clients, like everyone's been so supportive and no one's been like, really? So it, it, it has been nice to sort of have that validation of like, like, yeah, you're, you're just as, as bonkers as the rest of us. Good job. <laughs> It, there is a certain element of the, the triumph of hope over experience because, you know, I know how hard it is to get a book published and it sort of yeah. feels like, how do you have the audacity? But, you know, it's not, it doesn't hurt anyone to try. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Christian writing wants to know, can an editor be a substitute for a beta reader? And have you ever had to tell an editing client that their piece simply couldn't work? Um, yes. And yes. Um, one of the one of the toughest things about being an agent is that you sort of have to like you you have to be encouraging sort of no matter what and so there were a few times where i was just like this is just not going to work and that was always really hard it was easier as a freelance editor because i was being paid to give that opinion it was mm-hmm. like do you want me to sugarcoat this or do you want to sort of query this and get sort of laughed out of town um but i feel like if someone you know, I feel like, you know, if you're paying me for my opinion, I'm going to tell you, like, this doesn't make any, this doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, you know, in terms of uh, being a substitute for a beta reader, like I said earlier, it 
if, if you have someone in your life that it, that can give really strong critique and that can, you know, give you feedback that really like helps you clarify issues around your book. Great. If you don't have that, it's totally fine to like find a freelance editor who, um, you know, publish or who, who knows the genre you're trying to publish into. Um, because, you know, I think it is important to get at least some feedback on your, on your draft before you query it, just because they can catch things that, you know, will smooth the way for you once you start querying. Yeah. But yeah, I've had to, I've had to tell people like, yeah, no, this is not, this is not going to work. <laughs> I remember you and I, I worked examples, on, but... you, you and I worked on something for about six months and then it didn't sell. Well, and that, that was weird. Well, and that's all, that's always tough because like, if, if I've, if I've gone out with something, you know, I have a certain belief in it that it's going to work, mm-hmm. you know, like when I, I didn't, when I was an agent, I didn't just like send things out for the, for the, for funsies. It was always like with the goal of like this selling. And I always find that very frust- I always found that very frustrating when something that, you know, you and I, or, you know, me and another client had like spent time on and it wasn't going. It was just like, well, I like this. Mm-hmm. She likes this. Why? What, what's going on? I'm a professional. How dare you? <laughs> You're a professional and you like it. So that's two of us. Come on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, did you have self doubt, and if so, how did you deal with it? I guess when you were writing your your book. Oh yeah, I absolutely did. I was just like, you know, how dare you, kind of thing. But you know, at the same time, like, why not? Yeah, I just, I sort, I sort of, I just sort of figured that like, if this doesn't work, if it doesn't, if it doesn't sell, that's okay. Like, I think one of the reasons that I you know, needed to leave agenting is it, it was sort of becoming more of my life than I liked. It was sort of becoming my whole deal. And I was sort of losing where I ended and like my professional life began. And so one of the things I told myself in this process is like, okay, you're going to write the book. You're going to, you know, do what you need to try and sell it, but you're not going to sort of like make this your whole endealment. <laughs> like you're not going to make this your whole personality. Cause I think that like, if I did that, I would just run into the same problem that I did when I was so burnt out at the end of my um, agenting career. So I feel like you have to have a little bit of audacity just to believe in yourself enough to like create any kind of art in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so if you sort of hang on to the audacity and like set the sort of negative thoughts aside, it's a little easier because someone's always going to hate it. Like someone's always going to think that the book is bad or that like you have no right or whatever. Um, but yeah, I've been talking about the bell wanna, curve lately that, that the more people you have read and the more people who love your book, the more people will hate it because it's the whole bell curve thing. Oh yeah. And yeah, that's something yeah, you have to get ready for. Yeah. I mean, and, and the hope is that I'll, ha- I'll be able to have, you know, a career, you know, like my clients have had where they, you know, sort of steadily build and like, you know, be able to have, you know, these, these books and these audiences that keep growing. But I also am, am very aware that, that like, it might not happen at all. Like it might not sell or it might sell and then land like a pond, like a rock in a pond and just sink slowly <laughs> to, to unconsciousness. I hope that doesn't happen, but you know, it's, I've been saying, there's this phrase that I heard about, you know, people who get remarried after getting divorced. It's the triumph of hope over experience. And I feel like that's sort of where I'm at right now. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody I know who's, who's had on their second marriage is just like, I know what not to do now. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'm, I'm at the age where like, 
you know, dating, I'm sort of now in the second wave of like, okay, guys who are like getting divorced or who have, you know, just, you know, their first long relationship is now ended. And I'm like, all right, the training wheels are off. <laughs> this is the real deal. Jen is the 10 speed. Uh, Be ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dating oh. in New York is horrible, though, so I don't recommend it. It's like... <laughs> Dating, dating in New York dating during COVID. COVID has got to be even worse. Well, it's better now that there's, like, outdoor dining everywhere. And, like, you know, it's not like, oh, we're going to have a FaceTime date. Like, you can actually, you know, go places now. Um, and it's summer, so, like, the parks and stuff are beautiful. But Yeah. We don't have to talk about my, my, lack, my love life or lack thereof. <laughs> that's not what, that's no, not no, what no, we don't. <laughs> I'm just, I'm more thinking I would, I'm really hoping I can go to New York in October. Um my publisher's toying the, the book comes out on the fourth and right mm -hmm. after that is comic-con and so they're kind of it, it's not official yet they haven't actually said but i'm hoping they're gonna send me to comic-con so um, oh yeah I may that'd be, be cool. in town which means we could like see each hang other. out in person mm -hmm. that'd be so good i like that um because we did see each other at worldcon and we might see each other in chicago um, yes for WorldCon, but um I'm going to be bar conning it because I do not have uh, an expense account anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> And bar conning only for yourself. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Although, so I, I said that the way I finished my manuscript was like a fun story. So if it's okay, I'll, I'll tell that. Please. Um, basically, um, I left the comic book company in March. Um, they had layoffs, so it was, wasn't really like a big deal. I, I had only been there for like three months. Um, but I was talking with Maurice Broadus one night and we were sort of both bitching about our unfinished manuscripts. Cause I had like 28,000 words of this thing written and that I had told him about in December and he had his first draft or his, his book was due to his publisher on April 2nd or something. And so we basically bet each other that, you know, whoever, whoever finished their manuscript first, First, the other one had to buy them drinks one night at Worldcon. And I am very cheap now because I don't have an expense account. So I wrote 53,000 words in about 18 days. Wow. I now have to use um, this lovely, charming, ergonomic ergonomic keyboard because my wrists hurt so much. Oh, no. Yes, I have one of those. I have. I probably have that one. Um, and so that, that, that got me a completed draft of... And the vertical mouse... Game changer. But yeah, so so um, we basically bet one another that we... I mean, he finished his, you know, basically on time, but I finished first, so I won. Um, but uh, yeah, that's how I finished the first draft. And it was just like, you know, I had, I had a few like 8,000 word days where, where I was just like, what is what is happening right now? And then, then I had to get the because Because <laughs> the you don't want to... You didn't want to buy... Uh, didn't want to buy Maurice. Uh, but I forget why I started to tell that story, but... I think you just want to talk account. about how you finished your book. But we can <laughs> Which all is have... I mean, I probably... Yeah, I was very proud. Yeah, well, we all have, like, incentives. <laughs> it's it's There are lots of incentives, rewards, bets. Yeah, I don't talk about that enough. There there are bets you can have with other people, um, clearly. Have you, so if you, you haven't cashed in on that yet, since that was just a couple of months ago, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're both planning to be at Worldcon, so that's I think when 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 it's going to come due. Okay, 
How can I get Maurice to buy me drinks? Uh. I'll have to ask him. Wonder if he's online. <laughs> I don't think you probably have to ask that hard. He's a he's a generous guy. That's he's true. A generous guy. <laughs> yes, that's Maurice Broadus, excellent writer, excellent person. Check him out. Um so if you have more questions in the chat for Jen, please let me know. Um How do you see he probably, I guess he's not teaching. It's, it's summer. Oh, true. Um Um yes, he's What's your opinion on all the stuff going on in publishing right now? All the burnout and all the assistance and all the the supply chain, all the shit. Just all the shit. Are we having some lag? I think we are. Can you hear me now, Jen? Oh, man, there's so many things. I mean, oh, can you hear me? can hear you now. Okay, good. All right. Um, I, I mean, I think it's absolutely expected. Um, and the publishers who were like, no one could have anticipated people being so fucking stressed out after a global pandemic are just, mm -hmm. you know, greedy assholes. I mean, when you have companies making millions of dollars and CEOs making millions of dollars, and then you can't be bothered to pay an assistant more than, you know, $40,000, which is like not that much of an improvement from when I started 10 years ago. You know, that's a problem. Yeah. And um, I think that the publishing industry likes to sort of pat itself on the back and say like, oh, we're creating art. And it's, you know, there's, there's really only a certain kind of person who can like work long term in that mindset. Yeah. And that person is probably someone with family money. Um, I mean, and I honestly was able to work for so long in publishing, making so little money because my housing situation is such that like I'm paying way below market rate for my apartment because of a situation that I lucked into with my sister. So like I was able to make decisions. Like I was able to say like after I get laid off, okay, I am going to take this time and just collect unemployment and write this book before I start looking for because I, I had the privilege of of not worrying about like my rent or anything like that. And those are the kinds of people that can have long careers without worrying about it in publishing and publishing for too long has sort of like subsidized their whole thing by having people with like trust funds and family money. And it's like, of course you can, you know, work a $30,000 assistant job because your parents pay for your apartment. Like, yeah. So between that and like the fact that, you know, they're not, they're not enough, they're not hiring enough people to take care of the work. They're buying more books. There's, you know, a supply chain shortage that's not going to get any better anytime soon. It's, you know, publishing has to sort of figure some shit out. It sounds like it has to hit rock bottom. Well, I mean, it's kind of getting there. Like, I just feel like, I feel like the thing that is really, really going to be a big issue in the next couple of years, especially with all the Supreme Court stuff, is like, publishers are really going to have to ask themselves if the money that they get from publishing, like, Brett Kavanaugh's book is worth it like morally speaking like they're gonna have to start thinking about that kind of thing because i mean people are like okay well do i want to work for this company that like produces like books that i like but also publishes amy comey barrett's nonsense you know like and people are just not going to take those jobs because also like they're not paying enough so yeah oh good don't pay me or maybe that's publish crap from somebody i abhor awesome yeah Exactly. Exactly. 
So, I mean, and then you have, like, wild shit happening. Like, I don't know if you were paying attention to the Macmillan outage last week. Oh, yeah. When Russian, like, Russian hackers essentially crashed Macmillan's network because they didn't like an anti-Putin book that was published by, like, Holtzbrink, Germany. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my my friends who work at at Tor were just like, I can't send anyone email. I can't access any of my files. This is terrible. Oh, my God. just just problems that like you don't even you couldn't have even anticipated five years ago or now just like oh yeah this is just a thing we have to deal with now so and you i'm sure you had a lot of executives who i remember some of the assistants who quit one of the problems was you are now requiring me to do tech support for stuff you can't be bothered to learn and so i'm sure that when that shit went down these executives are just like what's going on I don't know what what's yeah, happening. Yeah. Uh, do you worry that publishing will become more conservative, given the stuff happening with uh, Maya Kobabe's book in Virginia? Um, I haven't heard about that particular situation, um, mostly because I stay away from Twitter now because it's a terrible place. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I is that is that like a banned banning situation? Do you know? Yeah, I believe that is a that is a. Uh, Banning situation, uh, gay books, uh, being able to, I think it's local, basically giving local, uh, governments the power to ban books on a larger level than just libraries. I believe that's it. I also have been trying to do some self-care and. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't necessarily know that publishing will become more conservative. I mean, it's already a fundamentally conservative industry, I I think, um, in a lot of ways. Um, There's not a lot of innovation happening. Uh, Graphic memoir about a trans person is being hit with obscenity lawsuits. Great. Cool. Love that for us. Um, I mean, I think that we're going to see more of this shit happening as, you know, but I don't know that that's necessarily going to change how publishers buy because, you know, this they might not be able to sell it in Virginia, but they can sell it everywhere else. It's one of those things where like, because everything is now so atomized and everything is being left up like to the state. I think that they're going to keep, I think that they're going to keep publishing this, you know, kind of material um, with the knowledge that, you know, maybe it's not going to get, maybe it's not going to make much inroad in like the red States, but I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's everything in the world is sort of garbage. So, it's hard it's hard to sort of separate one thing from from everything else um yeah yeah good times good times good good times (laughs) i feel like i I was telling my husband i feel like i want to have a part of my show um be about good news granted i should be writing does cover good news but that's good news from the audience level i wanted to like figure out how i could give good news and then i'm like i don't know where there's good news <laughs> so i don't know if i can present that to people i know it's it's hard i mean uh i'm sort of in an everyday above ground like place where i'm just like you know you just gotta keep kind of doing your thing and keep working and you know change what you can and that's yeah. sort of gotta keep going i just yeah. I, I watch a lot of tv but <laughs> i've gotten very escapist yeah, I um, I've been escapist. I've been trying to figure out what I can actually do and know that there are other people out there better for certain things than I am. And yeah, uh, 
Yeah, when they're talking about, like, all the women getting into politics, I'm just like, not me. Godspeed. No. Good. Yes. Awesome. (laughs) We need more women in politics. Not me. You don't want me in politics. I'm a terrible, terrible arguer. I'm a people pleaser. And um, when I get angry, I cry. Yeah, when I get... Oh, same. I was going to yeah. say, like, when I get angry, I just burst into tears. Yeah. So it it's like a really fun time on the debate. Team yeah, exactly. You don't want me. And I have to think, like, th- there, there's a place for people like me, and it's not on the front lines in politics. And it's yeah. not in debate, and it's not, uh, yeah, it's. So I'm trying to think about what I do well, and I try to entertain people, and I try to uh, bring hope to people in following a creative dream, and uh, that's what I try to do well. That's valuable. Yeah. It's, you know, these days I'm sort of all about the little things, like um, I've become really, I'm a plant person now, I have a lot of plants in my apartment. Oh, I've got a link to send you when we're off. Oh, excellent. Um, it's, I find that sort of cultivating the small, the small pleasures in life are, are kind of keeping, keeping me going. Um, and also like one of the things that I've gotten really into in the last couple of years is sort of just expanding the reach of the kind of media I consume. Like one of the things I've been trying to do this year is sort of not read books by white people. Mm-hmm. And so I've actually been reading a lot of stuff in translation, which has been really, really interesting, um, to sort of like, because it's, it's not that it's like super different. It's just that it's a different sort of sensibility um, in fiction. And it's been really, really fun um, because I feel like my horizons are sort of expanding a little bit. And so like I'm watching a lot of stuff that's like in another language or that I need subtitles for. Um, and I find that like it can be very easy to sort of like stay in like your lane of like stuff that you you know watch or read or consume. Yeah. And yeah. if you sort of like try other lanes, it's like, oh well this, you know, I'm I'm expanding my view of the world. Like I'm aware of more than just than what's going on like in my in my area. Yeah. Going so. back to mysteries, um my husband has discovered like the the I forget what it's called, he could tell me. Um but the the Japanese mysteries. I love those. And oh my god, yes. I love those so much. So he's been oh, reading those like over and over again. Not over and over again because he's just going one after the other. Um, the, the Hunjin murders is the one I started with. Um, yeah, I think he's read that one. A, yeah, because I forget what the press is, but they're putting out a lot of these um, sort of classic locked room mysteries from Japan yes. from like the fifties. They're so good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, 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 I hesitate to talk about this because it's, it's, it's not a, a story that's come out yet for Escape Pod, but there's a story we have that's, um, where someone going through a hard time is just being told that, like, look, you got to do the self care, because, you know, when you crack and and flail under pressure, that's helps the opposite side, and so mm-hmm. when you're taking care of yourself, you'll also be in a better place to deal with all the other shit. So I'm trying to take that to heart. I really like yeah. that part. So I'm, I'm, um, you know, trying to take care of myself and do my job that I think I'm kind of good at and yeah, trust others to do their yeah. jobs. Um, yeah. And it's, it's funny. Um, I haven't really been on social media for, really a couple of years now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really post much. I don't, you know, and I've 
I think that I'm better off for it um, yeah. because I think that there's so much you can open yourself up so much and that's not always a good thing because yeah. then people sort of have access to you and if they don't have access to you then they can't sort of like fuck up your life <laughs> so that's that's sort of what I've been doing although I, I have missed a lot of um very funny tweets about hockey which is the one thing that I do that yeah I do miss. it's like um there was a moment in the lockdown uh the lockdown season when they were finishing the season in the bubble and there was this um player for the i think he was on the flyers at that point and they were like they're like taking taking the camera around like the, the, the lockdown hotel where they were all quarantining right and he's like yeah and this is like like a bookshelf I've never been in here probably won't <laughs> just like yes <laughs> illiterate hockey players and when I'm, I, I saw that come around like like last week, and I was like, "Why did I miss this?" When it happened, wow! Amazing. Like a local hockey player has never read a book. <laughs> that just makes me sad. I know, but oh well. Well, so what is your what is your escapism recently? Like, what are you what are you really into? I am uh, pouring resin and making dice. That is very cool. And that is uh, very cool. Because I am the kind of ADHD brain that really likes beginning things and not ending them, I have a ton of unfinished dice in the basement, but I now have to actually pick out the ones I like and sand them and paint them, and that's where things slow down. So as you can see, this one is neither... Well, you can't see it's not sanded, but it's also not painted. You can't see any numbers. Um, so yeah, I have to get a little bit focused and, and finish those. Um, again, still watching a lot of mysteries. Mysteries are just comfort food for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the, the, the resin thing, uh, my family bought me a lathe for Mother's Day. So I'm going to try <laughs> to learn how to turn, uh, fountain pens starting with oh, resin. Cool. So, um, Very cool. yeah, yeah, that's going to be, we're going to see how that works, but I got a lathe now. I'm going to share it with them. Lathe. <laughs> um, we also got a 3D printer and I'm going to try to learn how to make, uh, either make or print files that I can then turn into silicone molds that I can then pour resin into. So, um, <laughs> it's, it, I awesome. like it because it's an art that doesn't require the kind of art I can't do. I'm very bad at art. I wish I were better. For some reason, like art and music, I just... I look at people who can do that and I'm just like, wow, you're a, you're a unicorn, you're magic. And because <laughs> my brain does not work in either of those worlds, but for some reason, like pouring colorful goop into a mold and waiting 12 hours and then suddenly having art is like very exciting to me. That's awesome. So, um, that's what I'm doing. And I'm reading, trying to read more. I'm reading, um, uh, I think it's, Winter set hollow now. This is this is um a book about people finding that their favorite com their favorite comfort read as a child is uh true. Only it's much more yeah. Winter set hollow. Um, very cool. And only finding out that it's a lot more evil and violent than they thought um, by Jonathan Edward Durham. So it's got, it, it's a good book. It's interesting. It's got a little bit of head hopping. So the, the mm -hmm. POV is kind of all over the place, but overall I'm enjoying it. So, and I'm cool. trying to read thrillers and I went to a Slack I'm part of and 
started complaining about the thriller I was reading and someone's like, I am so here for all of your thriller rants. I'm like, oh God, do I have thriller rants? <laughs> I didn't know this was a pattern for me. I, I, I'm in a Slack that has like an entire channel just for complaining about the name of the wind. Because <laughs> there are enough of us. That oh, wow. Like, we just like, is that the, I remember how much I don't like that book again. <laughs> is that the Rothfuss book? Yeah. Okay. Um, nothing against him. I just didn't like the book. But uh, No, no, no. Yeah, I'm reading... Um, uh, uh, this press called Seven Seas just put out a bunch of translations of this Chinese um, Danmei author's work. Um, Danmei is like gay, gay stuff, like two men kissing. So it's this book called um, uh, Heaven Officials Blessing, and it's like volume one of four of this like four hundred thousand word book, and it's wow. so fun. But like, I'm, I'm already like I'm buckling in for the long haul. <laughs> How how is this published in China? Um, well, it's complicated because um, I mean, laws have changed over time, like of of you know what kind of content you can you know publish. It's not necessarily it was it was a web novel originally, and ah. you know, you'd have to pay to you'd have to pay to read it. You could only read it if you were over like twenty one, um, and it's so long in part because there's a, there's an element of like you know, you get paid by the word. So, you know, the more you write, the more people have to pay to subscribe to the book. Um, and there was a sort of rumor that the author was like in like sort of disappeared briefly because, um, one of her other books, um, called, uh, the grand master of demonic cultivation got turned into a very popular, uh, uh, show like a drama called the untamed. And it just, it was the biggest, it was this huge, huge deal. Um, but then the Chinese government was like, this is some gay shit. And they started cracking down on like male idols, um, you know, wearing makeup and, you know, advertising for things like that. So it's, it's sort of like, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a mess that I don't sort of consider myself an expert on, but I have really enjoyed reading. Um, there's three books that this press has, has published. Um, they're doing Grandmaster of Devonic uh, Cultivation, um, a book called The Scum Villain's Self-Saving System, which is the most bonkers book I've ever read in my life, and Heaven Officials Blessing. So it's been really fun. Oh, and someone's reading it in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jess. <laughs> Good job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and apparently they're Seven super popular of... at the library. Yeah, yeah. Um, Seven Seas is sort of a sort of a chop shop. They uh, they do things fast and cheap, and their translators are currently trying to unionize. So um, you know, I, I don't think that they paid over much for these rights, but um, they're fun. They're fun reads, right? Um, and I play uh, and I play video games still. I've been there's there's a game called Rune Factory Four that I it's got a really fun farming element. It's it's very it's just I was gonna say sorry I was gonna say are are you in the are you still in your Stardew Valley? Um, I was actually gonna I have a friend who's never played and I was gonna invite him to play with me on Wednesday. So uh, yeah, they have I've heard there are excellent new mods for Stardew Valley and they did have new content come out, but. Uh, I've kind of been struggling through the the, the new end game content. Those mm. damn golden walnuts, man. <laughs> I I confess I've never actually played. My sister has has a Switch, so she's played. Um, she's played that, and uh, she has one of the um, one of the Zel the Zeldas mm -hmm. on there. All the Zeldas, yeah. Um, um, but but the best part about Rune Factory Four is the fact that it does have a plot. And sometimes you can't get to the next level of farming until you do the plot. 
Mm. So that's when I do the plot. And my my character is very determined now. And and we know the next thing we have to do in the plot. So every time I go to the airship, which is supposed to take me to my little farming plots, she's like, <laughs> let's go to this uh, sex empire. That's S-E-C-H. And <laughs> let's go to the sex empire. And I'm like, yeah, let's Sounds go like- check out the winter field where the winter crops are growing. And she, every time, she's just like, let's go. I'm like, yeah, we're going to check on the carrots. And I really, you know, think she'd probably hate me because she really wants to, you know, continue the plot and care about this dragon. That's, and, you're, and you're like, but the husbandry. I know. I mean, <laughs> I'm about to grow a giant carrot and that's the most important thing to me right now. So. Legit. Yeah. Legit. Yeah, the um, I feel like I don't really have a ton of like hobbies. I, um, you know, I read, I listen to music, I do the, the Peloton, which you can see over my shoulder. But I don't have a lot of sort of like I don't play video games really. Um, I did embroidery for a while, but I I just lost patience with it. Um, it's my I feel like my hobby is like collecting trivia about like brief hyperfixation. So like I got very into BTS last year, so I mm-hmm. learned a lot about those little kids. Um, and you know getting into these like korean shows and korean dramas and now oh, yeah. and i started watching some thai shows which are really interesting um but that's that's sort of my my hobby is learning stuff right which is, um that's not oh, a uh, bad thing to you know learn learn things yeah yeah i feel like you know Abby's like, ah, yes, a new hyperfixation. <laughs> when I start sending her TikToks about things, that's when she knows it's like gotten problematic. Ah, uh, yes, um, and I've been trying to to get into TikTok, but I realize I have a because I hear book talk is quite the thing, and probably being connected. You know what it is? You know what it is? I think that book talk is great for readers, but I don't necessarily know how great it is for authors. Like, well, I mean, I'm I'm more thinking like anything I can do to. I feel that if someone discovers my book and wants to link to, you know, wants to talk about it, having someone to link to rather than not is good. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I'm not saying platform now. I'm not yeah. saying I will create something on Book Talk that will move my book. I'm just saying that having a presence on the platform mm-hmm. couldn't hurt. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Only, I mean, I, I, yeah. I have an account. Have I posted anything in said account? Neither have I. No. Yeah. It, I, I feel very awkward. Um, I, I had uh, Grant Pachoco on last week, and he does... Uh, he's a puppeteer, so he doesn't have to worry about, like, how he looks on the app. Um, but he's... Yeah, he does He does the toily, toilet paper roll, and uh, very popular there. But yeah, he was telling me about various TikTok stuff and algorithms, and and it's just it's mind boggling. I'm just like I remember I, the early days of Twitter. Oh God! I mean, I read an article I think in New York Magazine about a, like the, the TikTok algorithm can like figure out your whole deal in like I think under forty minutes. Wow! It's, it's like yeah, it's, it's wild. For although for a while there were a lot of people pushing like pro Johnny Depp content onto my for you page and I was just like I am not interested in any of this. I don't want to see any of this garbage. Yeah. I felt like that when but, I would log into YouTube. It's like all this Johnny Depp stuff like I don't care. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um I just get a lot of pranks. I don't want to see pranking old people. I'm just not into that. Could be that I'm getting to be that age, but <laughs> you know. 
Like yeah, in my mind. I mean, one of the yeah. Go on. I I I think a lot of prank stuff. I also don't love when someone does something like sort of wholesome or like heartwarming, and then they're filming the person's reaction to it. I'm just like, I would have much rather not seen this moment. Yeah. I I feel like I'm intruding. Mm-hmm. But right now, my for you page is all um, reactions to the last episode of the show that just ended on Saturday. That I'm obsessed with this this like bonkers gay mafia drama from Thailand. That's just like just like. You briefly thought that the two main guys were like cousins until they like fixed, figured it out. But um, yeah. So my entire for you page is that right now, and I'm just like waiting for the next whatever the next thing is to come around. Around right. Yeah, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm hoping to get into TikTok. I'm hoping. Just I just got to figure out what to do. I've been told that I need to do evil mer advice. So evil mer advice. Yes, Ooh. that's that's the terrible what would, writing. What would chaos mer recommend? Oh, chaos mer recommends um following agents into the bathroom at cons um (laughs) passing the manuscript underneath the stall um stealing all the the toilet paper out of the stall so that when they get in there you know you can come to their rescue i thought that that was like something that didn't happen and then it actually happened to me at a conference in dallas you got followed or someone told the toilet no someone someone slid a manuscript under the door as i was like peeing I left it there. I was like, no. Wow. <laughs> and I had only been an agent for like two years at that point. Wow. So, oh, um, that Daniel Beer says, if I get rejected, I should reply with a five page essay outlining why they're wrong, right? Yes. Yes. Especially um, if they're uh, women, Daniel. That's even better. Yeah. Tell it, yeah. You can, it's, you it's... can mansplain why your book is better than Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter combined. Mm-hmm. That's ideal. Absolutely ideal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's 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 evil mer advice. Um, you know, considering how many white men read books, they should definitely you should definitely make all of your characters white men. Yeah. Um, things like that. I think I think the only appropriate way to do this series though is if you're wearing the murder robe. Because you did. Buy I never one, right? bought. I never bought the murder no! robe. I'm sorry. <laughs> I tell tell them what the murder robe is. I don't think okay. I've ever talked about the murder robe. There there is a genre of outfit that is basically like, why no officer? I haven't seen my husband. He's away for work in you know Switzerland. Mm-hmm. I know oh, I'm so upset. I murdered him and chopped him up into little pieces. And I'm and so it's upset. Just basically, just I'm so upset. Mm-hmm. Um, pay no attention to the pool boy. That's just his uniform, you know. It, but it's basically that genre of clothing. And at uh, in peak COVID, I purchased for myself one of these items, and it is. I mean, I have never received such an instant dopamine hit as when I walk around my house in this fucking robe. It's the most. Li- and I I dress like this at, mm-hmm. at the best of times, and in sweatpants at every other point in time. So it's a very it's a big contrast of like you know of, of looks but it is it is just the happiest thing i think you need to get one Mer. i think you need to get one and do this series it'll, it'll be tax deductible <laughs> it's like it's for tiktok i don't want to be audited you know i i just don't i i really don't um, um well daniel has another question that i think would be interesting to address do you want to read it off will there be any pushback from editors slash publishers if i just don't describe the character's skin color at all because I genuinely have no desire to do so in my SF work. Um, we just... You, you need to check out the John Scalzi Spoilers uh, Club that we just did. 
because uh, he doesn't do a lot of description, and he talks about that. One of the things is, I mean, if you, I think if you do a good job telling a story, it's not going to matter that much, but people are going to assume all of your characters are white. That's just what yeah. happens when you don't describe. I've been trying to make a point to, if I have a white person in my book, when I first describe them, I describe them as a white person. I say that they have this kind of skin. And, you know, just to remind myself that that's not the default. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the impulse to not want to describe people is, um, you know, it's understandable to a certain extent. But, you know, rather than, I feel like, and this, and, and I'm not trying to ascribe motivations to the person who has this question, but I feel like, a lot of that comes from a desire to sort of not participate in sort of like discourse and not sort of get caught up in sort of controversy or like being accused of like making it too diverse or whatever, which is not a thing. Um, but really what you're doing is sort of opting not by opting not to play, you are playing. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you might very well get pushback. I mean, it's not necessarily a deal breaker, um, but you're going to get pushback and you're going to get questions and people will assume that the characters are white because that is, you know, we live in that, in society, in a society where whiteness is considered to be the 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 cultural default, that's not great, but that's sort of like what we're working with. So just just be aware that that is that that is something that is going to happen. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's sort of, and you know, uh, he brings up uh, Ged from Earthsea, um, but like also like with Rue from Hunger Games, where yeah, everyone I was, was like about shocked that. and appalled that like, and, and she's like described as, as having brown skin in the book so you know people people are going to make sort of make their own assumptions and um you know there's other ways that you can kind of signal you know physical description you know hair texture you know skin tone if not skin color like there's there's things you can do that will also you know give the reader sort of a mind's eye that that aren't necessarily color but you know something to think about yeah yeah you know it's 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 sort of tempting to be like, oh, well, you know, there's no, there's no way I can do it right. It's like, well, that's sort of, that is sort of true in, in a sense, but you can, but there's always ways to kind of, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, is, if that is something that is, um, that, that, if that is something that should, you know, change or if that should stay. I mean, right now, I think with the world building that I've set up, it's sort of like, um, sort of white on white colonialism so it's sort of like Wales and England and mm -hmm. that kind of thing so for, so right now it, I think it works but I do want to think about that as I as I as I've been doing this revision I've been thinking about it a lot of like you know do I need more characters of color do I need you know x y and z because I think that it's a valid I think it's a valid criticism to bring to a book if like everyone is the same color it's sort of like hmm. yeah this is a little flat yeah, uh, Shard says, I was hoping to leave it open-ended so more people could feel connected to the character. Sad it might not be taken that way. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's, that's one, the problem. That's one way of thinking about it. But also, I mean, the, the way that I think about it is that um, the more specific something is, the more universal it becomes. Like, by hoping to be all things to everybody, you end up being nothing to anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, it ends up being nothing to no one. Because it's just so general and like, not necessarily that's the case for, for, you know, your book, like, but this is just something that I always thought, because when I'm reading a book, even if someone looks different from me, like as long as their inner life is relatable and, um, and I can sort of get on board with their emotional journey, 
I can, I feel those feelings. Like I feel connected to that character, even if they don't look like me, even if we've had different experiences. Yeah. And, and also like at the end of the day, like, you know, especially people who write fantasy and science fiction, like none of these experiences are going to be like relatable to the average reader because very few of us have been to space. Right. <laughs> so, um, so the more specific you can make someone's inner life and someone's character, I think that that actually does help people relate to them more because they're like, they see them as a person and not just sort of like a construct. But that's me. That's, you know. Yeah. Um, Christian Writing says, I think Chana Porter's the, the Seep did a good job of turning ethnicity description on his ear because one of the characters is revealed to have assumed the face of their dead lover who was of a different race. Uh, Primi says, yes, as a BIPOC, I regret that if the character isn't described, I always assume white. I would guess that both white and non-white people assume white. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's, that's the problem. Um, we're, we're all uh, conditioned and it sucks. I, yeah, I, I liked, I liked what Scalzi said about trying to use, like, names as an indicator that, um, <laughs> sorry, that someone's not white. Cat, Cat said, speak for yourself, Jen. We are all billionaire space tourists on this chat. Yes, billionaire space <laughs> tourists. Yeah, I didn't want to point out. Yeah. <laughs> You've rumbled me. <laughs> this yeah. is my carefully curated backdrop of a, of a middle class person in Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, Shards, I'm going to recommend you check out Writing the Other. Um, mm -hmm. Check it because they have a couple that I don't know if they have articles or or actual classes, but they do address this, the worry about appropriation if you get too specific in your stories. I think um, in general, you want to think about, do you want to tell a story about a lower class black kid in New York dealing with racism and you're not any of those things, that might not be your story. If you want to tell a story about someone who's not your race and not your gender having an adventure in space that doesn't actually have to deal with that specific type of story, that's different. Yeah. So when you're when you're dealing with the problems certain marginalized groups have, that's probably not your story to tell. Yeah. Go ahead, Jen. Um, I was I was thinking about this. I mean, are we are we okay with moderate spoilers for stranger things is that something that is this a spoiler free place um i um, think with enough warning we can say yes you can pause okay. this or fast well, forward a couple of minutes if you're listening later if you're listening now then just mute us and uh we'll wave when we're done if we remember um it, it's not a huge i don't think it's a huge spoiler but um someone pointed out that uh in the in the latest season of stranger things all of the white characters, like the the the, peop the things that they face, are sort of these like are from like the other world. They're sort of these otherworldly otherworldly creatures. Whereas Lucas and Erica, the two black characters, they face like a white racist. Like it's like a, a real. And I was just like, yeah, like why why do the two black characters? Everyone else gets to fight the monsters, and mm -hmm. they have to fight like this dude. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, I feel like it's, uh, you know, there's no, there's no one answer. There's no one trick. There's no one neat trick to sort of, like, make sure your book is going to be completely free of, like, problematic elements. Um, but it's, it's a conversation. It's a conversation and it's a process. And I think that it's sort of, like, it, it, 
the the more open I think you can be like with the way you think about it, I think the better the better the outcome is my is my opinion. Yeah. But um yeah. But I do recommend to anybody, um, just in case you're listening to this later, uh, Jen and I are both uh, cis white ladies, and uh, I recommend highly going to Writing the Other. I don't have the act, I don't know if it's writingtheother.com, but if you search for Writing the Other, you'll find it. Yeah. Um, a lot of excellent people have compiled a great deal of information on how to write people not like yourself and it goes beyond race it goes into sexuality it goes into body types uh meg Ellison mm-hmm. does some great talks about um you know writing fat people and uh they talk about disability and it's just a really great resource so uh i i hope jen and i make good decisions on the advice we're giving <laughs> but i highly recommend you find other options uh for input such as yeah. writing the other yeah it's funny you know I, I think about the advice that i've given over the years and i think it's like fairly consistent but i'm sure that if i listen to like the early years of um shipping and handling which bridget, bridget and i are going to be restarting that fyi okay. um at some point um my my old podcast uh but like i'm sure that not all of that advice holds up because you know sensibilities about things change and attitudes about things change as as they should you know sort of over time and as we sort of evolve evolve as a people um but yeah i am very white i'm a white christian from texas so (laughs) i I am aware of the paradigm in which i am operating (laughs) yes um oh fig white mentioned sensitivity readers could also be an option too yes but um I recommend if you hire a sensitivity reader, listen to them. A lot of people yeah. hire sensitivity readers for the for a sense of validation, and when they're actually yeah, like told they need to change some things, they get angry and they don't listen. Um, I know also some. I think some Native Americans walked off, were hired to try to make Adam Sandler's movie not racist, and they walked off because nobody was listening to them. Have you seen the trailer for Prey? though no what is that I'm, one i'm a predator i'm a predator girly so like i love the predator movies like just sign me up there's a new movie it's an all first nations cast it's an all first nations creative team and director and it's a predator movie set in like pre-colonized america mm-hmm. and i'm so excited for it <laughs> Ooh. i'm writing yeah. stuff down for show notes and uh, there's a Tumblr that gives advice for writers writing uh, people of color, and it's amazing. I can't think of the actual name. Writing with color, maybe. The answer to writer's questions is really informative. Thank you, Shards. I'll check it out. There's a lot of resources out there um, for, for this kind of thing. And, you know, it, it can be very interesting to sort of think about think about all this stuff, you know, from from a different perspective. And I think it makes, I think it makes writing more interesting. Yeah. Uh, Always good to learn. But Jen, I have kept you for like an hour and a half, so we should probably I mean, continue. I got nothing else to do today. So <laughs> I got nothing else to do today other than clean the nightmare that is my office. So well, I, I'm, I'm happy to hang out as long as people have questions. If you have any questions, let us know. Otherwise, I'm probably going to need to eat. So, um, uh, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. It's, it's a bad idea of set. See, it's it's we chose this time because Matt's on the West Coast and he needed to stream before he started work 
So mm-hmm. that's why it's noon. And I'm yeah. always like at two o'clock, I'm wondering like why I'm exhausted and famished because I just streamed <laughs> and talked constantly through my lunch hour. Um, I know. All I've had today is iced coffee. So that was mistake, mistake number one. Was that. Um, and uh, I actually have another iced coffee waiting for me in the fridge, which I'm very excited about. Oh, good, good. I'm going to recommend you and eat Hopefully something. my internet will be fixed. Yes. Um, we're in some kind of outage, so I'm... I was I'm doing this chat tethered to my to my phone so that I can. I do appreciate I that. Um, actually, oh, I, I think out. the connection was... is surprisingly good considering that you're tethered to your phone. My ancient iPhone that I should probably replace, but eh. who knows? Yeah. Eh. Um, my sister gets like a new phone every time like a new one comes out, and I'm just like I, I'm not like a, I don't. I'm literally using this to like watch TikToks and send text to my friends so. yeah <laughs> my needs are very simple <laughs> um we're gonna have these things in the show notes jen what would you like us to promote of yours these days you want to bring the link oh, to gosh, shipping and I handling got nothing, or? um shipping and handling the archives are still up it's still available to listen to um my podcast that i ran with bridget smith for many many years and like i said we're starting it up again we're kind of excited to do it from the perspective of like a you know an agent and someone who is now a, like trying to write. So it's going to be like a fun, a fun juxtaposition, but um, that's still available to listen to. Um, I'm going to be restarting my newsletter at some point, but if you want to read the backlog of that, it's called a faster. No, it's on Substack. Um, And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Buy Mars book. <laughs> yes. Jen did sell it. Um, <laughs> yes. And I am uh, at, uh, com is how you can find everything from Ditch Diggers to I Should Be Riding to Station Eternity to um, Escape Pod to all the other, all the crap I do. I do a lot of crap. Uh, oh, this the is Mer- fun. The Mirror Cinematic Universe. This is fun. I took a month off because I was burned out from writing and streaming and podcasting. And I got an email today from someone who says, it looks like you haven't uh, podcasted in a long time. Are you interested in selling your podcast? Like, <laughs> I took a month <laughs> off, asshole. A month. That was it. You're and like, I and what? I said so. If you'd like gone back a little ways, you would have seen. Because I don't blog anymore, so the only thing on my blog is the most recent podcast. So all you had to do was scroll yeah. a little bit. But yeah, uh, yeah. Jen, yeah, I went so on much. hiatus for my. Yes, oh, you're you're so welcome. This was lovely. Um, so tell me about the hiatus. Oh no, it was just I. You know, I went on a hiatus. For- for Christmas and then never went back for my newsletter. So I'm sure people think I'm dead, but yeah. there's a lot going on. There is. But thank you so, so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yes, it's been too long. I should have you back soon. Um, good luck with I'm your around. book. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Good luck with I'll, your I'll book and the editing. <laughs> sure. Uh, send it away. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, foist it upon, upon everybody against their will. <laughs> released under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Our music is from Devo Spice, devospice.com. Ditch Diggers! This is a free show that is funded by our patrons. You can help out at patreon.com slash mightymurr.